Welcome to Seeds, a show where we talk with people who are living lives of purpose and doing amazing things that make a positive impact in our world. We take time to listen to them as they reflect on their life journeys and what has shaped them into who they are today and what motivates them to be involved in what they do. Well, kia ora, everyone. Welcome along to Seeds Podcast. I'm really glad you could join me as we get the chance to speak with Amy Blake, who's the co-founder of Girls Who Grow and the co-chair of Future Farmers New Zealand. Now, this is one of those conversations where we talk about a whole wide range of things, so I really enjoyed it. I love getting to know a person and their background, and that really helps give us an understanding of what they do today and why they do it. And I have a favor. Would you be willing to tell one other person about Seeds? It really, really helps. Seeds is a project where I'm just trying to assemble a whole bunch of life stories so that we can learn from each other and be inspired. This will be episode 343, so there's a lot of content in the back catalog. You might want to check it out. And there's a website at theseeds.nz. And a special shout out to those of you who are listening and on your way to future Fenua Summit because I know Amy will be there. I have not been able to attend one of those in person, but last year I did record a session with Zeb about what legal structures might look like for a reimagined future when it comes to farming. I'll put a link to that in the show notes. And make sure you check out the other links there, which Amy provided about her initiatives. Now let's get straight into this conversation. All right, so it's a real pleasure to welcome Amy Blake, who's the co-founder of Girls Who Grow and the co-chair of Future Farmers New Zealand. Thank you for joining me. Yara, thank you for having me. I'm really looking forward to our conversation, um, <laughs> but I would love to find out more about what you're doing, and in particular about these two initiatives. But before we do that, I'd like to go back in time and find out about a person's backstory. So in your case, what was life like when you were, say, five years old? Yeah, cool. Yeah, so I grew up in a small place called Waipa which is kind of uh, south of Auckland, right on the edge of the Manukau Harbour. So I'm actually a sixth-generation farmer out there. My family have been there for a very long time. My parents are, yeah, dairy farmers, and my dad also exports um, onions all over the world and breeds onion seeds. So I guess that's where my rural passions and deep love for food kind of stems from. Um, Went to a, you know rural school and then ended up going to school in the city, um, high school in the city. Yeah, it was kind of there I realised, you know, how lucky I was to grow up rurally. It was an amazing experience. What um, was that like, like living on a farm and yeah, describe <laughs> it? Like how how big was it or, you know, was there streams, was there mountains or flats? Or, yeah, yeah. Like? I suppose I often forget you know, what was my normal was a lot of people's abnormals, especially the, these days as we're so urbanised. Mm. But it was a youth of in, independence. You know, mum and dad were often working, so we were free to explore and roam on our own if we weren't, if not, we were helping on the farm. Mm. So it was summers made up of doing hay. It was lots of treks and horse treks with my mum. I'm actually looking forward to going on a trek with her in April, um, so still do that. It was, yeah, we we floundered directly off the edge of our property. So whenever you fly in and out of Auckland, you fly directly over our farm. Oh, so, really? oh, yeah, we're, we've, we've probably all seen it. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're right there. It was just a, it was a youth of being really close to the land. I think that's where sort of, yeah, my passions now and how we reconnect people with our land, which we can touch on when we get into Girls Who Grow and Future Farmers. But, yeah, so after... I never planned to get into food and fibre. 
I went to high school and then ended up down at Otago University. I was so sick of the Auckland traffic. I think I was like, I need to get out of here. Yeah. So I ended up down at Otago and ended up studying, uh, did a major in marketing and a double minor in accounting and entrepreneurship. I'd always had this really interesting kind of business and entrepreneurship based on what I had seen my parents do, especially my dad starting his Onion Empire. Um, and then during my time at Otago, ended up on what's called the FNCG Futures Program. So and then that means fast-moving consumer goods, so all things grocery. So spent some time at, yeah, really big grocery re- retailers, at foodstuffs, a little bit of time at Frucor, and then ended up at Mars New Zealand on their graduate program. Right. And just going back, you know, in your childhood sort of teenage years, mm. did you always know that food or agriculture would be in your future? given your background or was it something that you came to later? Possibly. I think especially my dad's businesses has always kind of, you know, the family businesses are there. Mm-hmm. Um, but mum and dad were always very supportive and that, you know, go and do your own thing mm-hmm. and then come home if you want to. Um, so decided to go and explore other paths. I've always had this massive interest in human health. So that's always kind of been there underlying, but um also loved storytelling and marketing and creativity. So really enjoyed my time at Otago doing that, Mm. but not necessarily. It was sort of, I ended up in the grocery game and ended up at Mars New Zealand, which was um, an amazing big learning experience for me. Obviously no one really realizes Mars own so much of the pet food industry, most of the gum and mints. And I ended up working on the food portfolio. So really cool, you know, marketing campaigns, connecting people to food and their plates. But um, there I championed a project on food insecurity and increasingly saw that so many New Zealanders are going hungry. About 40% of New Zealanders experiences some sort of food insecurity and, you know, one in five kids are going hungry. And then also just increasingly saw the pressures and changes that my mum and dad were having on farm dad with his export markets and changing market and consumer needs and then a changing climate and droughts and all sorts of things. And I actually got pretty sick in 2020. Um, And I kind of just came to realize that we can't truly be healthy as humans while our planet is sick. And so ended up down this huge environmental path um, started volunteering with Generation Zero, which was amazing. This is while I was in Auckland at Mars. Um, but just really wanted to come and get involved in our primary industries. I sort of took a step back and looked what was happening. You know, we had this um, Hawaka Ikenoa come in with our emissions tax and just so much in the space going on. And um, so decided to make the decision to leave Mars um, and yeah, head, head down to Lincoln University. So um, that was in 2021. And making a decision like that, like you're in a secure job. It was hard, yeah. <laughs> Talk us through that. Like how did you, yeah, <laughs> did, was there a moment when you, I don't know, looked in the mirror, you saw a sunset and you thought this is what I'm going to do? Or how did you, because oh, it's hard once you've been a student and then you go into the workforce yeah. and then you decide to go back. Yeah. Like, yeah. Tell us more. Well, it was there was kind of one moment. It was a hilly with Generation Zero um, in summer. And 
it was a real passionate group of young people who wanted to, you know, make our world better. And we got to the topic of agriculture. And I was the only one there from a farming background and the only one with any sort of, you know, real connection to land or ag. And I was like, oh, people were just so disconnected from our food systems. Um, And it got to the point, especially at Mars, although like food campaigns were amazing and I worked with amazing people, I reflected, I was like, is this really creating a world that I want right now? And what do I really want to do? So I guess it was, it wasn't necessarily one moment, but just a number of small things. And I got to the stage where I was like, I can't keep, you know, sitting in traffic or going to the office or doing whatever I'm doing, knowing what I know and not go do something. I wanted to, yeah. And I'm, I'm so blessed, you know, I'm so privileged that my family and friends and stuff were all supportive. Um, So I could make that decision. I don't have a mortgage. I don't have kids. Um, and Lincoln was fees free at the time. So, um, you know, was the, every, my colleagues at Mars were really supportive too. I think they knew that it was my passion. Um, so, yeah, still connected with them as well. Um, That's great. And and how did, did you know what you were going to study when you went there? Was a specific program or, or course? Um, well, I, I talked to a lot of people, um, some at Lincoln and others in the industry, which really helped. I think just talking talking to people was was the key but um I because I had a background in uh, marketing and commerce I decided to head in I enrolled in a taught master's of management specializing in agribusiness um so knew I enrolled in a taught master's because I knew I wanted to do research but I didn't have a clear topic in mind yet or didn't know exactly what to do and so when you go into research a master's or a PhD and you need to get a supervisor, it's, you need a clear idea. So that was a really good starting place. Um, and I think what Lincoln had really has done for me is give me the confidence to step into the sector because it was like, I was at Mars and, you know, I wanted to get more involved in New Zealand's primary industries and help solve some of the challenges. And, you know, I was also see the opportunities, but um, it's, I felt like I, I just didn't quite have that that um in all honesty you know people kind of need to if you want to get into it some people are kind of like well you know who do you think you are kind of thing so um especially as a woman foundation or a yeah say well this is what I'm doing and let's have a conversation yeah yeah um so it's been fantastic and have just met amazing people so I enrolled in that I actually um, was really blessed in that I ended up getting a research placement at a place called the AEIU which is the Agribusiness and Economics Research Unit at Lincoln for a summer scholarship um, where I got to do a curiosity driven essay where I looked at sustainable um, agritourism as a way to connect people back to land Mm. Um, but anyways I ended up Normally that would take a year and a half, but I smashed it out in a year because I did summer school and this research placement counted as points. Right. And then during my that time, um, ended up getting approached um, by my supervisor, um, Alan Renwick, and about a project they had with our land and water. And that was looking at um, the role of information in land use decision making. So that's what I'm currently finishing off at the moment. August is the end date, but um, I'm really interested in how we can try to improve knowledge exchanges between our farmers on the ground 
and all of our, you know, information givers and research institutes mm-hmm. and um, but get people communicating better, mm-hmm. really, to get get through to people in meaningful ways. Mm-hmm. Um, Is that because sometimes there can be a disconnect between people here who have a concept and then the person, like, actually on the ground correct. doing the work? Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, there's a lot there's a lot going on and we could go into my research in depth, but the basic fundamentals of it is that the biggest breakthroughs in science or research will be absolutely useless um, unless they reach the people that were designed to help. Mm-hmm. And I think we need to, we live in an information age, right? We're so connected, but we're also so disconnected in many ways. And we live in a time of misinformation and echo chambers. So mm-hmm. um, how we get what I've, kind of called our formal and informal information systems connected better is what I'm kind of interested in and also appreciating um in New Zealand we have quite deep like intergenerational legacy and knowledge and our land is a source of knowledge as well and just basic you know observational skills I think sometimes we forget to just go look outside and mm. listen. Mm. Um, well, so. that ties in with something you mentioned before, which was the word curious. Yeah. And I'd love to know, like, this isn't a specific question, but <laughs> how does curiosity drive you or what role does it play in the work that you're doing? Yeah, well, I think the more I learn, the less I know. <laughs> and I think once you end up on that curiosity journey or you have that sort of mindset, um, it's never ending and learning is never ending. So... That kind of stemmed, you know, um, from starting down this journey when I got pretty sick. And, you know, I think it's also taking time to stop and reflect. Mm. Um, But there's just, yeah, learning. It's being a curious person um, holds so much opportunity Mm. for learning. And I, especially now that I'm a, you know, a social scientist, I talk to people, but you you learn from everything. Mm. it's well, just like a nice way, way. I like the way that you phrased it, a curiosity mindset. Yeah. Because you know, like, that's a shift from occasionally you're curious, you know, mm. like something happens and you're curious, but having a mindset of curiosity, that's like, that's always on, isn't it? It's yeah. always like, oh, what's that? Ooh, tell me more about this. Yeah. Well, that's what I think we've lost mm. a lot today. And if we were all more curious and just had an open mind to things, mm. um, Oh, the possibilities are endless. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I think a <laughs> podcast about curiosity would be really good. I'd mm. listen to it. And actually in this podcast, often my questions are led by my curiosity because I'm with somebody and then we go off on, you know, Dennis, rabbit holes yeah. of like, well, let's talk about this. So, yeah, no. Yeah, and but... this is an example. <laughs> yeah. Talking about curiosity. Yeah. I'm curious about that. So yeah. Yeah. That's great. It's um and you mentioned something about the land itself having knowledge. Can you just unpack that a little bit more? Um, well, I suppose the history of our land and our landscapes is so important. Mm-hmm. And in a time where I think we've probably got a misalignment with a lot of our land uses versus what actually should be on our landscapes, I think um we need to match what we grow and how we produce food and fiber <clears throat> with how our, you know, with what the land actually can deal with or need or, you know, in addition to our climate and communities. So it needs to be a balance. Mm. Um, 
because otherwise you end up seeing a lot of the negative results that we get right so listening and acknowledging or looking at the history of the land the land itself what is best suited to grow there and the climate and the region for the people for the community Mm. is really important um especially as things are changing yeah you know because there's i mean i've been deep in weather reports and predictions over the past few days as i'm writing a report at the moment but um things are predicted to continue to change and Mm. will keep changing it's pretty startling, you know, for 2022 was the hottest year on record and four of the warmest years on records have happened since 2016. Mm. These droughts, these floods, these significant rain events are predicted to keep happening and they will, our climate is changing and farming in an unpredictable climate is almost impossible. Mm. So we need to be adapting and matching our land use for the climate, for the land, for the people in the community. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. So no, that's that, good. That's the land as a sort of knowledge. And um, that uh, that often is translated, you know, I think, uh, you know, we have a stewardship for land um, caring in Matauranga Māori mm-hmm. and a Māori worldview. So there's a lot we can learn from that unfortunately my thesis is only a year long and that deserves a whole phd in itself but um Mm -hmm. what we can learn from our indigenous communities and how we look and engage with the land and ourselves is super important so that's what we're trying to build into the foundations of girls who grow um as well as um in our work with future farmers as well yeah that's really good i think it's important to have that listening curiosity as well because if you look at some of the things that get have gotten introduced in the past and then they end up, you know, with good intentions, people bring over a certain animal or plant, not thinking about the conditions in the place that it's going to. And then it becomes a big problem when it's introduced in a new yeah. environment. So I think there's examples of that sort of lack of foresight. Right? Yeah. And that's where that systems thinking, you know, it's thinking that actually what you do has flow and effects mm. everywhere. Yeah. Um, is really important. And those are the sort of critical thinking skills we should be teaching in all our institutions. Yeah. Um, but I think a lot of the problems we see today with climate and land just comes back to a fundamental lack of disconnection. Mm. We're disconnected to ourselves, we're disconnected to each other, we're disconnected to the natural world. And so that's where we've seen, you know, with increasing urbanisation, although we're, you know, so connected technologically, we're so emotionally and psychologically disconnected from our land and from nature. Mm. And so that's where Girls Who Grow is really trying to bridge that gap Mm. and connect people, well, young youth in high schools back to themselves, back to the landscape um, and create a safe community for young women to come and explore agriculture, mm-hmm. um, especially young urban women. Yeah. So tell us a bit more about that. Like, when did that start and yeah. how's it going? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I ended up, um, while I was at Lincoln, joined Future Farmers, and it was a um, good friend at Future Farmers who put me in touch with my co-founder, Kath. And back then, this was, yeah, late last year, Um and we did, it was called Birds of a Feather Flock Together back there. And we came together as a really um, diverse group to ideate around this 
um, idea of how do we empower the next generation of change leaders in our agricultural industry. So out of that, we ended up getting accepted into Creative HQ's GovTech Accelerator program. So that was, yeah, and and based in and out of Wellington and online. And that was amazing. That's quite a um, structured 13-week program. And during that program, you go through a very intensive kind of discovery phase. Mm. So we went in with that idea and then really got into desktop research and interviews and all sorts of stuff there. So it was there we found some pretty startling things. We found the number of school leavers entering our primary industries has been decreasing since 2009. Mm. Currently only 6% of school leavers even enter the industry. And um, there's just huge talent and skills shortages. Like we really need talented young people to be coming in. MPI have, you know, big indications that we need 25,000 more workers by 2025. Um, And there's just huge challenges through our interviews and surveys, we really found that youth are, I mean, A, worried about the climate crisis, (laughs) Um, but B, they just have really confused perceptions about agriculture or a lot of them, especially in urban regions, have um, very little knowledge or negative perceptions. Mm -hmm. And there's just not really any clear career narratives about meaningful careers um, within the primary sector. But there's so many opportunities. And I mean, I've seen that myself. Now I'm I'm in here. Um, so it, it was kind of like, especially for young urban women, you know, women only hold 30% of the workforce in the whole primary industries and about 6% of governance roles. Um, a recent stat from Beef and Lamb came out with. So we realized that when 82% of Kiwis live urban lives and 60% of them don't have any connection to friends or family on the land, this is a problem. So that's what Girls Who Grow was born out of. Um, And we realised it was really the gap was reaching youth at that high school age when they're starting to make that decision Mm -hmm. or at least planting seeds, not only with them, but also um, we realised, you know, careers advisors and teachers and even, you know, parents as well but um to open their eyes to the opportunities to have meaningful careers um and connect back to the land so yeah hence girls girls who grow was born and um yeah presented that in december at the beehive yeah that's awesome i i was actually at that event so i got to hear it yeah and um it was yeah the the overall event was quite amazing because there was such diverse different topics right every single pitch was quite different to the ones that had come before yeah Um, but seemed like a really good program to have accelerated people's thinking and um, so basically you what you're wanting to do is raise awareness Mm -hmm. of this as career opportunities and pathways for women to young women to get into that yeah yeah Yeah, a safe community to to connect to each other and explore agriculture Mm -hmm. um as well as connect we realized you know we're planting the seed and then can connect on to other meaningful career pathways and opportunities and mentorships because there's already a lot going on in that space um so yeah as a as a I suppose a seed planter if -hmm. you will and also um helping increase ecological literacy food and um fibers like system literacy in our high schools and just really inspire young people Mm. Like we're cha- the the whole purpose of it is to change the narrative, mm. um, and show that actually you can have a meaningful career 
in our primary industries and um yeah that's great well what we'll do is in the show notes we'll put links to things yeah so we absolutely can links to whatever you send me yeah and i think you're right and as well there's something of a disconnect because as you mentioned lots of people live urban lives they're in apartments or houses they go to buy their food at the supermarket but there's, no, there's not really that connection anymore from like oh this this apple was growing on a tree you know it, it sounds basic but no it really you is. understand why young children growing up wouldn't really understand like where did all this come from yeah and, yeah I can see the point yeah well I suppose food like food for us is love and food is our most direct connection with nature it comes from the earth and it's made of living things and so if we can use food as a way to connect people back to our landscapes you know food shapes us and it shapes our planet mm. half of the planet is managed by farmers and land managers so it's it's significant and it doesn't have to be a problem. It can be part of the solution. Mm. And so that's where, you know, connecting people through food will take more than just country calendar. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's that's why Girls Who Grow is coming in and really using um we're using the power of collective imagination is what we're doing. So essentially we read a book book last year called uh, called from what is to what if it's by a guy called rob hopkins if you haven't read it i'd highly recommend it it's i'm convinced the power of collective imagination can change our world we can't create a better world without first seeing it mm. and so we're getting in with young people to help inspire them and spark their imagination mm. um about how we can heal, clothe, and feed ourselves without it costing the earth and what sort of future they want to see. Um, Sounds really good. Well, maybe send me the link to that book and we'll put it in yeah, the show notes yeah. for people to find. Yeah, absolutely. It, it reminds me of another book I read. I think it's called New Power, and it's mm. describing power dynamics that in the past it was very hierarchical, you know, mm -hmm. that there was an authority figure that made the decision and then it went out. Whereas today it's moving more towards like yeah. a community led thing. And the examples they give were things like me too movement, which there's not like one person in charge of the me too movement, no. as opposed to in the past, there might've been like a person. Yeah. Know? So yeah, it's really interesting. Absolutely. And I see that in my research, you know, farmers so long, we've had that linear top down transfer Mm. of solutions of knowledge of whatever but <clears throat> especially in today's world you know farmers are co-creators of knowledge mm. and there we will interact with networks and all these different things in different ways so yeah. conceptualizing how we go about things like that changes the way the way you go about it so rather than you know getting into schools and educating we like to say we're co-creating and inspiring um, and I think in today's world, you know, as our old stories aren't really serving us anymore with so many of this, you know, the problems we see, what we really need is a new story. And I suppose it's where my passion for marketing and stuff comes in, mm. but a story about our future that we actually want rather than one, a dystopian future, you know, mm -hmm. that's not that hopeful mm. because we know that, the, you know, fear and shame and whatever doesn't work <laughs> we need to get people engaged we need to get people inspired and so it's that inspiration that hopeful story and that imagination mm. to help us get there so that's kind of the basis of of girls who grow and just yeah really reconnecting 
everything at every level, um, but particularly with our land, with ourselves and with nature. Yeah, no, I love that. It's really good. And I'm glad we're able to, to have the conversation. Um, last year, I helped a group setting up a charitable trust, which is based in Addington, which isn't far from here. And they are like urban farming. So what mm-hmm. they do is they convert the backyards of houses yeah. and plant carrots and lettuce and cabbage and all Amazing. different vegetables so that there's then a more of a connection with the volunteers who come in and grow the vegetables yeah. which then get sold in local cafe you know to local cafes and, yeah. and things and it's just an example I guess that there are some green shoots <laughs> out there of people trying to make that connection more real yeah well especially as you know I mean, you only have to look at how much the price of food has gone up. Mm. Um, we we really need a build in more food security yeah. in this country. And if every we could get everyone engaged with our food system, you know, every time you put a bit of food in your mouth, you owe it to a farmer or nature, mm. you know? And it's the one place we all have, you know, impact and agency. And so if we can think about that where does it come from or you know get people growing their own it's a it's a place of resilience it's a place of connection Mm. um and it comes back a little bit to sort of cultural norms and assumptions about what's normal because if you think about it drive around any new zealand suburb and there's lots of houses with grass out the front and the back you know like of the land plot, probably 60 70% is grass. So we're really good at growing grass, you know. <laughs> but what if there was a mindset shift? Of yeah. Actually, hey, let's convert some of this into producing land. And I know that there's some work involved in that, but yeah. um, I think that would be interesting. Um, I talked with Colin Merck, um, who is out at Lincoln. I think he's still there. And okay. he was telling me about uh, a, another mindset shift. But why is it that when we're planting trees on the side of the roads, we tend to plant like oaks or elms or, you know, like mm. European trees rather than native trees? And because if we planted native trees, then we might actually get more yeah. native um fruits and and things and then mm. there'd be sustenance for birds and it's just it's, but it's the mindset shift of no this is a new road and we're planting it with oak trees because oak trees are and what, what we, we think, think of yeah exactly Correct. but what if we change the mindset to let's not do that let's make it specific yeah actually what you were saying before make it specific to the region to the location and plant something that's you know more appropriate and empower people, mm. you know, people want to be empowered to take the action that they want rather than being told what to do. But I imagine a future, you know, where our cities are breathable and they're wild and our urban and rural, you know, we're not disconnected from nature anymore, mm. where, you know, we have flowers and biodiversity and, um, you know, we need to be doing that anyway. I mean, it was just a couple of days ago when it was raining in Christchurch and it wasn't even raining significantly and, you know, we're already seeing our drains barely coping Mm. and change will come Mm. everything is always evolving it's inevitable Mm. so it's just you know whether we kind of wake up and be like okay we can change for the better Mm. um and helping people to reimagine you know maybe we don't need oak trees we can make you know put in some native trees our bus stops could be covered in food and flowers um 
it's it's a you're right it comes down to mindset mindset and I think what we need is not more technology or a new social media platform or whatever but it is how we see the world and our paradigms that we operate from um and as we go through more of these what you know are known as kind of trigger events right yes yeah, so we've seen you know the the recent devastation on our land and our cities people are wanting a new story um and so that's when it's really important that we have a better one to tell mm. <laughs> and it comes back to what we were talking about with curiosity and that curiosity can be a mindset correct you know, it's another mindset shift yeah yeah and change is inevitable like you know people get you know oh that can't happen but like the world used to be flat you know <laughs> change in today's environment you cannot predict it we've got so many um I was writing about it last week. We live in a in a VUCA world. It's volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous. Mm. No change is linear anymore. Mm. So I get excited about it because I think the status quo wasn't that great anyway. Mm. And I can see, I can I can imagine a better future. Mm-hmm. So it's a matter of connecting everyone to that. Yeah. And we can't do it alone. You know, we cannot do it alone. We do not you know, this whole idea that we operate in isolation or we're by ourselves is is causing us harm. So I think being better connected is what we need to do. So that's what, I mean, Girls Who Grow are on a mission to reconnect girls and back to themselves and to our landscapes and, um, Mm. yeah, get get things happening. That's great. So what would be a practical thing for somebody listening to reconnect? What's some, you know, what's a basic thing that they could do? Just think about where your food comes from just you know it's your it's your most uh, direct connection to a land and nature and the system that it comes from makes all the difference um I recently read a book called what your food ate and it's not necessarily just the food we should be looking at which is also important but what was the system did it come from is it from a monoculture or you know something that's regenerating the land Mm -hmm. I think farmers markets and the more you can get out and talk and connect to people open farms is another great initiative um but yeah it starts just be conscious you know have a look at what's what you're eating and what you're putting in yourself because mm-hmm. i'm a strong believer as we heal and regenerate our planet we regenerate ourselves mm-hmm. um it's you know it's our medicine at the end of the day so yeah that's that's just the basic basic ways to yeah. start and you know support those who who you think are doing a good thing um that's the the basic thing you know but farmers can only produce what we essentially demand so you know it's all very well and good you know telling a farmer you know they need to shift but they need somewhere to sell their their product and um obviously it's it's a whole value chain transformation that we see so we need everyone acting on um in meaningful ways at every level Mm. but also have the bravery go try grow something you know doing that is fantastic um and yeah just just support initiatives you think are great don't underestimate the power of that dollar value Mm. as well Mm. um and just connect yeah i think you're right the power of the consumer to make choices about what they buy yeah yeah um so i suppose yeah you can find future farmers as well we've also um, created a whole manifesto for the government okay. um, based on what a healthy future vision could look like mm-hmm. and key policy recommendations to get us there. Okay. So Future Farmers is a group. There's about 25 of us at the moment, and we're a really diverse group of 
passionate young Kiwis right from multiple farmers on the ground through researchers, consultants, mm-hmm. innovators in agri-tech and fashion. And the premise of it is if we can agree on what a future for New Zealand ag should look like, mm. then everyone can. Mm-hmm. And um, you can find us at www.futurefarmersnz.org. And, yeah, we're just starting to take that united vision to Aotearoa this year. But it's we have a vision of a united, prosperous and healthy agricultural sector in New Zealand. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, we're redesigning the system to help get us there with farmers at the heart of it. That's great. Well, what we'll do is in the show notes, we'll put links to everything that we yeah. talked about. So send me an email and I'll just copy paste them in. Um, but I loved hearing about your story as well and the background, you know, growing up in that environment. And because I think you're right, you have a unique angle. Yeah, I do. <laughs> yeah. And growing up in it to then be able potentially to help people with that disconnect and yeah. bridge the gap. And I think it comes down to, and you know, reflect on this in my research but the well-being of our land ultimately depends on the well-being of our land managers and it starts with you know rejuvenating regenerating and addressing your health because then you can show up in a way that you want to help the rest of the world or do whatever and solving the climate crisis I think is just fundamentally about addressing basic human needs And it's when we light ourselves up and get excited about the meaningful work that we do and care for each other that we then take care of our land. And you can, you know, this is a bigger issue than New Zealand, but um, you can never expect someone living in poverty or that all they can think about is direct human needs to, you know, think about the climate in two years. Um, And unfortunately, about 4 billion people wake up and that's all they can think about every day. So, um, it's yeah it's about healing ourselves and healing the land because at the end of the day we are a part of nature and I think we've just forgotten our place in the world so it's also you know I get so much hope in that small little bit you know that little plant cracking through the crack of a concrete that you know as you're walking down the street life there's so much life all around us so it's just having the bravery to kind of look up and be like, you know, wow, life is such a gift. Mm. So we need to see it that way and, and make it a life worth saving. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I, I get really excited because I think, you know, a better future is completely possible. Mm. We just have to be able to imagine it yeah. first. So, yeah. Yeah, that's wonderful. Well, I love your enthusiasm and I love that you're going out and helping young people to think about these things yes you're right there is sort of a disconnect that's built up over years and unfortunately technology probably makes it worse because we end up sitting on screens instead of actually going for a walk or getting out into nature but um you've given us some really practical tips and ideas and we will put in the show notes the links to things that you've talked about so people can click and find out more and yeah i guess there'll be newsletters or other ways that they can connect going forward yeah, 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 for sure. So we're early days. We've got um, our first Girls Who Grow workshops in three Otago high schools mm-hmm. next week. Um, future farmers are just starting to grow our reach and roll out this year. We've got a few speaking events coming up. Um, we just wanted to get our vision vision out there. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, 
Great. Well, hopefully this little podcast will be another tool to tell other people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they can click and they can find out more. But thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. And um, it's been amazing to hear that life journey that you're on. And mm. it'll be interesting to see what happens next, because I know you're finishing up and looking for what the future holds. So <laughs> well, that's we can a question. come back and um, do another follow-up in a couple of years and see how it all panned out but thank you so much for joining me on the show today yeah thank you so much for having me well, i do hope you enjoyed that conversation with amy i really enjoyed hearing her background what she's involved in today and i love the positive attitude that she brought thinking about what the future might hold we need more people like this to get in behind the youth and help them to imagine careers that they might otherwise not consider. If you enjoyed this episode, then check out some of the others in the back catalog. And don't forget, there's lots more information at theseeds.nz. And I have a favor. Would you be willing to tell one other person about Seeds? It really, really helps. And even better, if you're willing to take the link to this episode, post it on social media, tag me in, I will comment. Until next time!